Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Pastor Brian Gibbs. What a mighty night this is. Powerful night. This is a powerful, powerful night. And it's truly all for Jesus. It's all for the glory of Jesus. <clears throat> Tonight we're going we're gonna to be sharing some life stories and uh, just giving our heart and um, just see how the Lord is going to use us tonight to impart and just really want to uh, impart some things that we've learned in 25 years of ministry. We're still growing. <laughs> We're still growing. We've got a lot to learn and we've got a lot of growing to do, but we've learned a few things in 25 years. And Brent and I, we want to impart tonight and share some of the fun of, of the goodness of God in our life. It's going to be a great time. For those of you that are visiting tonight, it's your first time. My wife and I really want to welcome you. And uh, you're, you're in a great place because the Spirit of the Lord is here. <laughs> and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom and liberty. Yeah, you're in a great place. And so I've been specifically praying for, for our visitors tonight. You're here for the first time. And, and um, as I was worshiping, I was just asking the Lord to just deluge you with his love, that you would really feel the tangibility of his presence wrap around you. Many in this room need the Father's hug. You need a big hug from Papa, from Father. And God, I just ask you to release that tonight. That's just so real and so tangible tonight that your love would just pour out in this house, God. In Jesus' name. Father, I just thank you again for the mighty privilege of preaching your gospel, calling me into the ministry, Lord, to proclaim the mighty glory of Jesus. I thank you, God, for the privilege to shepherd this flock in this city and to be a leader in this city and region and to the body of Christ, Lord. I just want to thank you, God, and I, I just thank you for the advancement of the kingdom. In these, these three years of victory at church of your presence, God, I thank you. There's so, so much more that you're going to release to us, and we will rejoice, <laughs> and we will give you all the glory. We'll say, wow, look what our Father did, and we will rejoice. Thank you, God, that we can give back again tonight. Thank you that we get to take a piece of our life through the realm of finance to extend your kingdom for this region, for the city, and beyond. Thank you for every partner, Lord, throughout the country that has supported Bren and I for these 25 years, partners in this region, and then here right in the homestead of victory, God, that have stood with us, who have prayed with me and Bren, who have been faithful pillars in the house of God, who have served your people, who have loved, who have been diligent, who have sacrificed. God, I thank you for every one of them. To you be the glory. Amen. Amen. Ushers, go right ahead. Serve the people. Ooh, serve the people. Honey, if you'd like to come, 
tonight. Why don't you welcome my wife? Amen. You may be seated. Man, that was so beautiful. Would you welcome Brian? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, for being here tonight to celebrate together. I so appreciate it. Each and every one of you, you mean so much. And one of the things I was thinking about tonight is just relationship and how important relationships are in family. Brian touched on that a little bit tonight in prayer. And um, when we were with John Kapatrick and Brenda just the other night, one of the things when we were talking about revival and revival at Brownsville in Pensacola, Florida, that they had, um, we, we were asking them just, you know, about pastoring a move of God and all these different things. But he said, one of the things that made it work there was the relationships that they had. And he said that um, you know, Pensacola is a, a military town. And he said, first of all, they understood authority. But he said that they trusted me as their pastor because we had developed relationship. And they trusted me as their pastor that if I said something, you know, it was for, they, they knew that it was for the best interest of all. You know, they trusted him. They believed in him, whether, whether it was needing to stop something or if something happened and he needed to step in and, you know, take his authority and they trusted him. And just the relationships that he had there was part of the, um, the move of God. You know, that was part of the key elements to it. And I know that here and what we have here is partly because of of the relationships that we have and we've developed over the years you know Brian and I we've been here now well the first time we moved here was 16 years ago and so we've throughout this time we've developed relationships and some people in the room we've known before we moved here and um, you know it's so important you know so important the family of God and so we so appreciate you all of that to say, <laughs> we love you, each and every one of you, whether we've known you for a short time or, or many years, we're so thankful for what God has done and him bringing all of us together because we are a family. So I love you all. Amen. Let's give Stephen a hand tonight. <laughs> I'm going to direct our attention for the next few moments to the book of Psalms, Psalm 96. I'm just going to lift a few, few scriptures out of this because we truly want to give God the glory tonight. And Brent and I want to be thorough. We want to move and be timely tonight. 
And I just want to set your cell phone out here so we can see the time. And uh, then we're going to go into the Life Center for refreshments and just just have a beautiful time together. And I want to I want to stir it up too with our first time attenders and hope you can stay, have a piece of cake. <laughs> Amen. So Psalm 96 is such a beautiful psalm. I love the psalm. Sing a new song to the Lord. <clears throat> Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless His name. Sky, if I'm too if I'm too hot in the uh, in the speakers, you can bring me down just a touch. He never says that, <laughs> right? Now, if I stand usually... if I stand up, you know it's coming. <laughs> so, we'll see how long I can stay in this chair. <laughs> Proclaim the good news of his salvation <clears throat> from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations. Oh, I love that. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonder among all peoples. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Isn't that awesome? He is to be feared above all gods. For all, all the gods of the peoples are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. I feel all of that tonight in this place. Listen to this. Give to the Lord, O families, the peoples. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due to his name. Now, that's a big deal. Give to the Lord glory due to his name. We, we give God all of the glory. This is, this is not about uh, the Brian and Bren show tonight. This is about Jesus. Um, without Jesus, we, we wouldn't even be together. Without Jesus, every, every good and awesome thing that's ever happened in our life is because of Jesus. And um, he rescued us and saved us and then made our worlds collide. And uh, tonight, we, we want to talk about the goodness of God that he's worthy of and the glory that he's due tonight. <clears throat> and um, I want to share some touchstones. My wife and I are going to go go back and forth here and share some time together. But um, we met, we met, and um, actually I saw Bren for the first time. We were freshmen in college, freshmen in college at Southeastern in Lakeland, Florida, a little town called Lakeland. Y'all familiar with Lakeland? And we were at Southeastern. It was August of 1991, and uh, we were fresh out of high school. Yep. And I saw Bren... <clears throat> at the campus there, I actually walked out of the cafeteria, and uh, she was with a bunch of girls, they were just out in front of the cafeteria, and they were all cutting up, and laughing, and cackling, and doing what girls do, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, and I looked over, and I saw her, and I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I was like, wow, who is that girl, <laughs> and, um, I looked at her, I was like, I just kept looking at her like, oh my gosh. And so I went back to my room, my dorm room, and I said, Lord, whoever that girl is, I want to meet her. Whoever she is, I just pray that I get to meet her. And so not, not long after that, um, I was in a class with one of her friends, and uh, Amy started talking about Bren, 
And um, I, I didn't know that was her name, and so I was listening, and so I inquired, and I said, hey, hey, is that, is that your friend? That, that? And I started describing Bren, and she goes, yeah, yeah, that's her. She says, but she's got a boyfriend from Ohio, and so don't even think about it. <laughs> she, just called, she just called me out like that, you know? And I was like, oh, yes, ma'am, okay, whatever. <laughs> so uh, a few months, few months go by, and... <clears throat> I, I keep seeing Bren around the campus all over, and uh, every, every now and then, I would see her with this guy that she was dating, <laughs> and I'd be out driving around the city in, in Lakeland, and they'd be there at a lake, or they'd be walking the campus, and I was like, huh, where's that guy, where's that girl? <laughs> so uh, I'm out walking the campus one night, and the girl that said, hey, she's got a boyfriend, don't even think about it. She sees me. She's like, hey, Brian, what, what are you doing? What are you out doing? And I, I said, well, I'm just walking the campus, praying, just spending time with the Lord. And she said, well, we're having a, a surprise birthday party for Bren. How about you come and I'll invite you? I'll introduce you. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll introduce you. What did I say? I'll invite you. I'll introduce you. Thanks. And I was like, I wasn't going to argue. I was like, okay. <laughs> so. So I ran back to my dorm room, and I had this drawer full of thank you cards for people who had really blessed me to help me to go off to Bible school. And um, so I wrote Brent a card and a note, a birthday note, and uh, went to the birthday party. We meet, we meet that night. I'm the only person in the room she doesn't know. And um, so then after that, we started really hitting it off and seeing each other around the campus and going for walks and um, having lunches together and connecting. And so, so we met, it was actually my birthday. We met on my 19th birthday and um, God said surprise, but <laughs> I didn't know, I didn't realize that he had just given me a gift for a couple years, a gift as a friend, but, but not anything more than that. But, um, but yeah, so he was definitely a gift from God, a big one, <laughs> yeah. So uh, fast forward, um, our sophomore, really our, throughout our freshman year, we became wonderful friends. And um, I loved being around Brent. I loved her presence. And, I, I, of course, she was beautiful to me, but I loved her presence, and I loved how I felt around her, and I felt very comfortable. We would go for these long walks around the campus and talk about our family and just started connecting. And, um, and then she continued to date that guy, and um, I met another girl. Uh, in school and started dating her and we continued to see each other throughout the campus like ships in the night we would kind of acknowledge each other have a lunch here and there and so fast forward a year and a half um, the girl that I started dating um, we got engaged and I thought Bren was just steady with this guy you know that this relationship kept going on and on but I didn't realize it was on and off and so um, Throughout the time, we kept going for walks, and I, I, it was wonderful to find out that Bren finally told me, she said, she said, every time you and I would go for walks, she said, the conviction of the Holy Spirit would come upon me for dating that other guy. He Just, likes to tell that part. <laughs> <laughs> Tells you how anointed I am. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I am totally kidding. So, so anyway, um, something, something extraordinary um, happened in my life during this timeline. And um, after my sophomore year at Southeastern, 
Um, God just picked me up. It's, it's such a godsend story, but God picked me up and threw me right in the middle of the Lakeland Revival with Rodney Howard Brown in 1993. All I can tell you, <clears throat> I, I could talk about it all night. In fact, all the things we have to talk about, my wife and I said today, we said, we could, we'd just like to take a night and talk about miracles, just talk about the miraculous and miracles. I feel it's so important we do, but it was such a miracle. God just picked me up and sat me in that move of God, and it was heaven. I'm telling you, it was heaven. It was such a realm of glory, and um, I was offered a, a job at Carpenter's Home Church, and I went on staff there and served in all kinds of different departments, wore a lot of different hats, and... and um, Amazingly, the Lord spoke to me very profoundly and said, you're going to go on the road with Rodney and you're going to serve him. And days later, he called me, um, asked me to become his personal assistant. And I left Carpenter's Home uh, Church in Lakeland and I went traveling. I became Rodney's assistant. The, the year of 1994 was an extraordinary year, not only for my life, but for the United States of America and the nations because the move of the spirit, the river of God, um, was so fresh and uh, really a refreshing hit the church and the total trajectory spiritually of my life was transformed being in the glory all the while my Bren was praying for me and um, tell him what you were praying well um, <laughs> it's always like this you know he he felt like that me and this guy weren't supposed to be together and I, I felt that him and this girl weren't supposed to be together but you know <laughs> It seems like you always know about the other person, right? But um, so when I heard that they had um, gotten engaged, I was grieved in my heart for him because I just didn't feel like it was right, not knowing yet that he was my husband. But I began to pray for him and just pray, Lord, if that relationship is not of you, please cut it off, you know, and don't let that come about. And I would pray for him often, you know, we didn't see each other. He moved off campus and was working at this church, and so we didn't really see each other, but every time I would think about him, I would pray uh, for him, and um, one thing that the Lord would always, well, one thing I would ask the Lord, we had a great relationship, though. You know, it was very special whenever we would walk um, the campus. That's usually what we did when we hung out um, of Southeastern. We, um, I always felt, I would feel the presence of the Lord a lot, you know. Yes, conviction too, but I would feel the presence of the Lord. And um, so it was a very special just friendship. And so I would pray, after I would pray that that relationship would be cut off, if that be the Lord's will, that, Lord, let our paths cross again, cross again one day. And so... Um, whenever I would pray that, the Lord would say, well, why don't you do something about it? Why don't you pursue him and try to find him? And I'm like, you know, I'd put it off. Oh, gosh, you know. And um, so finally, you know, I started thinking about it one day when I was praying for him, and the Lord said that to me again. And okay. sure. So I'm going to just jump in real quick. I'm going to give it right back to my wife. So I hadn't seen Brent in quite a while. She had just gotten back. She was on campus. She had, she had been in Zimbabwe, Africa, serving in missions. When I saw her, I was like, oh, my gosh. Well, I was engaged, and, and the girl that I was engaged to knew that me and Bren were friends, and we saw her walk across campus. I said, hey, 
if you don't mind, I'm going to go say hello to Bren. She's just gotten back from Africa, and I really want to connect with her. She's like, oh, absolutely. Go, go for it. She said, but just you just make sure you tell her that we got engaged. <laughs> and I'm like, of course I will. Of course I will. So um, we, we're talking, and, and we're having a great talk. <laughs> we're having a great talk. And I'm looking in Bren's eyes, and the conviction of the Holy Ghost starts coming on me like lava being poured over my head. And I'm like, what in the world is this? She's talking, and I'm under fire conviction. And I'm like, God, what is this? What is this? And I hear the Lord, and the Lord says, you know you're not supposed to be engaged to that girl. I'm going to leave her name out. You know you're not supposed to be engaged to her because you're going to marry Bren. I mean, I, I heard it, and I could have fell over. I thought, I am the biggest loser on the planet. (laughs) I am going in such the wrong direction. I have messed up my life, so I've asked the wrong girl to marry me. I was a mess. And so I I came up with this really wild decision. I I deducted everything, did the math in my mind, and said, okay, it equals this. I'm not going to tell her that we're engaged. I'm not even going to tell her. And the moment I made that conscious decision, I'm not even going to tell Bren that I'm engaged. She says, so I hear you got engaged. (laughs) She, she stared a hole through me. She (laughs) bore a hole through me. She did not say, she didn't smile. I did. She's good at smiling. Look at that smile. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) You know why we're in love for 25 years. Oh, my gosh. She didn't smile. She didn't say congratulations. She didn't say I'm happy for you. She stared at me. (laughs) And I was afraid. (laughs) I was like, dear God, am I more afraid of you or her? (laughs) I'm like, dear Jesus. And I said, I got to go. I got to go. So I had given her my number there in town where I was living with some roommates. And, um, and, um. I actually went back to the girl that I was engaged to, and she she said, I look like I've been hit by a truck. I I just said, I got to go. I couldn't explain it. And so time went on, and I stayed engaged to that girl. I I didn't know what to do. I'd made some really bad uh, decisions being in that relationship, didn't want to break it off. And so now I'm on the road with Rodney, and God is moving on Bren to to get in touch with me. Yeah, so... So, again, you know, this one time I was praying, and, and I did the same. It was the same thing. I prayed for him. I said, Lord, let our plaids cross again. The Lord says, why don't you do something about it? And so I thought, okay, I didn't know if they were married yet or if they were still engaged or where it was at and all of that. And I thought, okay, this is weird, a girl calling someone, you know, and what if they're married already? And that's weird, you know. So I thought, well, the worst thing that could happen is he would just say, don't ever call me again, (laughs) you know, and that would be that. I'd be embarrassed and life would go on. So I decided to call him. And again, you know, you got to I had to jump through hoops. I really had to, you know, because he gave me that number that one night um, at the campus after I'd come back from Africa. And that was the only number I had. It was an old number. His roommates still live there, so I had to call that number, and they gave me a church number, and they gave me the ministry number to Rodney's ministry. I mean, this was before Google and all that, you know, before before Facebook. I knew where I knew where he was. No cell phones. Right. No, no, no internet. <laughs> nothing. 
So anyway, I finally um, called the ministry and thought he would be traveling. I don't know when I'm going to get a hold of him. Well, they said, oh, he's in the offices today. So So they hand me this uh, card from the secretary, and they said, this girl called you, and I look at I look at the name, and they messed up Bren's name, and I didn't realize it was her. And uh, I'm looking at it, and so I, I ask him, I'm like, well, where's 614? And it was Columbus, Ohio, and I didn't know anyone in Columbus, Ohio. I had no clue who was calling me, but they called directly for me. And so um, I went into a side office, and I started dialing the number, and when I'm, as I'm looking at the card, it's like I realized how our secretary in the front desk messed up her name, and it, it hit me, it's Bren. And the Lord spoke to me, and he said, son, I told you, you were going to marry Bren. And she answered the phone, and she says, hello. And I, I was, I'm about to cry right now. I was, I melted. I just melted, and I was shocked, and I let her know that the, the marriage was, or the, the, the wedding was off, and um, that, that girl had went her way, and that relationship came apart when I was on the road with Rodney, and uh, a guy that she was in love with from the Navy had come home that she had always loved in high school, and they ran off together, and uh, praise God, she ran off. <laughs> I mean that in the best way. I, I mean that in the best way. So, um, <laughs> Bren and I, um, the Lord brought us back together. I went to see her, and I'm just, I'm, I'm going to go through a bunch of stuff here. But actually, Bren and I, um, as we came back together, um, fell wonderfully in love. We got engaged on uh, April 1st of um, 1995. Oh, oh, it's important. She's, gonna, she's tapping me. Go it's ahead, important honey. to share a certain part. Oh, go ahead. Um, because it's it becomes a pattern in our in our as we're walking out these 25 years. But um, but Brian came to see me, and even though I had said I'd like to see him again, I was still friends, thinking friends in my head, you know. So um, he came and saw me and um, spent some time in Columbus. I, I was living with my sister and brother-in-law at the time, and. He came and visited us, and um, so I just started kind of feeling weird, you know how you do with friendships, and like, okay, is he thinking that I like him more than he likes me, and you know, all these kind of stuff, and so I just wanted to set the record straight. He was getting ready to go back to his family and be with them for a season or a little time, yeah, while he was taking some time off, and so I sat him down, and I said, listen. (laughs) That was so good. That. I sat him down. <laughs> wasn't that dramatic, but. <laughs> 25 years later, she's still setting me down. <laughs> just kidding. I'm <laughs> just kidding. So I just said, listen, <laughs> I just want you to know we're still friends. Nothing's changed since college. You know, I just need to let you know that. So, um, you know, and he just got this, you know, he had a word, but I didn't yet. And um, so I don't know if you want to share. Yeah, quickly, I'll just say this. I, I went home to Illinois. I actually cried the whole way home from, from Ohio to Illinois. I'm not embellishing. I'm not exaggerating. I cried the whole way. And I said, God, I'm a mess. I know you told me 
Brent, Brent's going to be my wife. And um, it just didn't look like it was really going to happen, manifest. So um, there was a church uh, outside of my hometown. My mom and dad had been friends with the pastors for years, and they called and they asked if I would like to come and share what the Lord was doing on the road with Rodney and how the, just, just to share the goodness of God. And I was not in the mood. I did not want to get in front of a crowd, talk, anything like that, and just, you know, I was just trying to get over some things and figure things out, and he just, he wouldn't take no for an answer. So I went and I shared. It was a great, great meeting at the church, but afterwards, everybody had left. My mom and dad were there, my brother, uh, and the pastor and his wife, and we're, they're locking up the church, and they've, they'd known my mom and dad for a couple decades at that point, and um, she said, Connie said to my, my dad, she said, Dave, I've got a prophetic word for Brian. Do you mind if I go ahead and give it? And he was like, yeah, yeah, go right ahead. And uh, all of a sudden, she, she turned and her eyes went to fire. She pointed her finger at me and she said, the winds of adversity that have come against you, this epic storm that has come against you now, God is going to take you as a mighty eagle. She said, you are an eagle, you are an eagle, you are an eagle, three times. And she said, now the Spirit of God is going to lift you up high above the storm, and you're going to, I'm not going to say the rest of it, that it's to still to come. And she said, this is going to happen, and this is going to happen. And then she wrapped it up with this. She said, and the Lord says he is preparing your wife for you even now. And it will be a quick work. It will be a very quick work. It will be so quick that the next time she lays eyes upon you and sees you, she will know you are her husband. Four days later, do you want me to keep going? Or if you want, yeah. You want to set me down? You want no. <laughs> <laughs> Four days later, we were in, we met back up together in Dallas, Texas at our next crusade, mm -hmm. uh, just outside of Dallas in Rockwall. Mm -hmm. And the Lord spoke to me at the altar that Brian was my husband. And um, it was in a, it's a, it was a very beautiful way that the Lord did it. And it was like a best friend. And you know how when you have a good friend or family member and you can say certain things, and that other person knows a deeper meaning of, of what it means to you than what anybody else might. And that's really what it was, because um, I would always say, man, when you get married, you really got to trust your spouse. <laughs> you know, you really got to trust that person, because their decisions will affect your life dramatically. <laughs> Dramatically. <laughs> um, but... Uh, Anyway, um, so that's what I would say, and uh, just, you know, because of life and situations and things you learn, and, and so when I was at the altar, it was a season in my life where I was trying to decide certain things, whether I should go back to college or do different things, and um, the Lord was just saying, just put my life in your hand, and, you know, put your life in my hands, and that's, I want you to trust me. And so it was just a time of surrender to the Lord. And, and once that was finished, um, then the Lord said, now I want you to trust Brian. And for me, I knew exactly what he was saying to me. And, um, and I knew that. And 
that's how the Lord spoke to me, and it's worked out pretty good. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was August of 1994, August 94, when the Lord spoke to Bren. Um, so when I came off the road with Rodney Howard Brown, I moved to Columbus, Ohio to, uh, to court Bren uh, to be with her and then ask her family's permission to marry her, uh, which I did. And, uh, of course, they gave me their permission, and, which was so wonderful. Love her mom and dad. And it was a very special time. We got engaged on August. Uh, August 1st, uh, I, I was looking at the thing above, April 1st <laughs> of 1995, mm -hmm. and uh, we were engaged in Columbus, Ohio on a horse and carriage on River Road. Yeah. It was amazing. It was quite a night. Yeah. Quite a night. It was. Yeah, so um, we got engaged and then got married four and a half months later in August of 95. Hey, if you know, just go for it, right? <laughs> So we had known each other for a long time, though, several couple years. So, but um, yeah. So then um, we were in Columbus, and we we were on staff at a church there. Brian was he was a youth pastor and associate pastor there, and we really learned. Um, you know, it was just getting introduced to ministry and everything. And Brian really he learned. In the youth group, he learned how to preach there, really. You know, you got to learn somewhere. And I'll tell you, youth group is a great place for people who feel called to the ministry to, to learn how to preach and move by the Spirit. And the Lord really poured out there um, amongst the youth. We had um, great meetings. Parents were wanting to come in <laughs> and be a part of our meetings because God was moving. They were having to carry the, the, the youth out. You know, um, the youth were, you know, telling their parents, we shouldn't be listening to that kind of music anymore, you know, all of those things. So God was really It was really radical. Moving. It got yeah, radical. Yeah, it was. It was awesome. It was fire. Yeah. And it was a It was, <laughs> it a was fire. Time. It was a good time for us, our first few years of ministry. So. Yeah, that was 95, 96, 97. And then in October of 97, Bren and I uh, launched Light the Fire ministries which became our national and international ministry and um, the Lord brought just a, a wonderful gift a pastor he's he's not a pastor he's really a, a wonderful prophet of God but he pastors very well too and God brought him into our life and moved us to the greater Cincinnati area to Florence Kentucky and uh, their church was in a it was just in a blazing God sin outpouring and revival and um, it was such a culture of intercession and prayer and worship and revival. It was it was it became an amazing hub for us. Russ and Kim uh, know that church. They've ministered there many many times. And in fact, that's where we met. Russ and Kim was right there in Florence, Kentucky. It was incredible. Yeah. So we began to travel. Um, we we leave the pastor ministry, the pastoral ministry. Now we're traveling, and God is beginning to really, really move in meetings. And we're, we're very young. Um, we're going into the, Shane, we're going into these churches. Of course, you and Janique can, yeah. you know, think about this. Of course, you're a little bit older than I was when I hit the road. But uh, we were going to these churches, and, and these pastors would look at me and Brent and not know whether to take us serious or not until I started preaching. 
and God started moving. We, we began to learn to flow in the altars and how to, how to flow in healings and miracles and deliverance and how to pray for people and how to, how to relate to pastors and how to, how to come alongside leaders. And then um, right, before, um, right before what I'm getting ready to say, we met Russ and Kim Klein, and they prophesied over us a powerful, powerful word. And then we went to Springfield, Illinois, and we were going to start on a Sunday morning, a Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night for five meetings. And all I can tell you is what we had seen on the road, it was nothing like what happened. We go into this church the first morning, and it's, there's, there's a fire that is unleashed on this church, and heaven just started permeating this church. We preached Sunday morning, Sunday night, and I, it, it was a power explosion, literally. I, we could talk all night about this. There, I mean, there was outburst of power that would scare you of God. I'm not kidding. And we, we were in this church preaching six days a week for seven and a half months. The church exploded in growth. Thousands and thousands of people came from everywhere and um, encountered the Lord, were healed, salvations, deliverances, miracles, families put back together. It was an extraordinary time for us. Anything you want to add to that, honey? Just incredible. Yeah. It was the Lord. You know, God was doing a lot in that time. You know, Brownsville Revival, Toronto broke out. You know, there were many different pockets of revival in that time, and it was a real refreshing for the church. How many of you guys experienced those, you know, one of those or many of those revivals? Some of you. Brownsville Revival, Toronto, Smithton. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, for us, Morningstar was some uh, ministry that yeah. really impacted yeah. us. And, you know, it was just <laughs> at that time it was unique, um, cutting edge, I guess, as far as they were doing some things that we had never, mm -hmm. um, you know, been a part of before. But, um, but it really opened us up to the prophetic and the apostolic as yeah. well because of the teaching that was coming out of Morningstar. We had grown up both in an Assembly of God church and, you know, Assemblies of God is wonderful. We love our heritage. Um, but at that time, I'm sure it's more now because it across the board of in the church, the prophetic and the apostolic began to grow and be more known and understood. So um, it was a wonderful time, you know, in the body of Christ as a whole and in our lives, you know. So just a great blessing of what God was doing. So um, while we were in, while we were living there in the greater Cincinnati area, then um, we had our kids, and that was a beautiful, beautiful thing. They were, they were born in Kentucky. <laughs> we just had to add that. Woohoo! Bren, um, Bren fasted and prayed. Yeah, I like that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, when. You know, at first I was, we weren't getting pregnant, and um, and I was having a few female seemingly issues, and yeah, <laughs> I was. <laughs> Where did I go? Um, 
I was, so I, I began to pray. I didn't want to just go immediately to the doctor and go down that route. So what I decided to do was go on a 40-day fast. It was my first 40-day fast I'd ever done. And I prayed that God would heal me, but that he would give me a baby. And um, we really believed that we were going to have a son first. And um, when we actually, we came to Sarasota, Florida for the very first time. And when we were down here, um, we got a message from somebody. Actually, during my 40-day fast, my female issues started going away. And I ended up getting pregnant like a couple months after after everything had, um, you know, gone right, I guess, healed up. So, yeah, set in order. So um, when we were down, we were down here for the very first time. Maybe we'll share that in a minute. I'm sure we will. But um, when we were down here, the Lord um, sent, somebody sent an email to us. A pastor friend from Ohio sent an email to us. And we were getting ready to go to Israel. Um, lead a trip with the church that Revival broke out in, in Springfield, Illinois. We were going to go to Israel together and help lead that and host that. And it was planned um, the following year, and we were preparing for that. But we got this email while we were in Sarasota, and it said, um, I got a word for you, just real lightly. He said, hey, by the way, I got a word for you on this email. And he said, you're not going to be able to go to Israel because it's going to be baby time. And, yeah, after that word, I actually got pregnant the next month. And Josiah's due date was the day we were supposed to leave for Israel. <laughs> so, um, obviously, we named him Josiah David. And um, Josiah was a king in the lineage of David. He was a righteous king. He brought revival to the land. Revival and reformation. Awakening yes. to Israel. Yeah. And um, his name means the fire of the Lord. Right. His name means the fire of the Lord. And and David is Brian's middle name. And um, and of course, the lineage of David as well. So anyway, when we were in the in the when we went to the hospital to give birth to him, we had a actually had a Jewish nurse. And um, it was very interesting just how God orchestrated all that. And I, we ended up giving her, I had, the Lord had told me to give, to bring a Bible to the hospital to give to someone, um, one of the nurses or someone. And um, so I brought that Bible with us, and we ended up giving it to this Jewish nurse. Her name was Becky, or Rebecca was her name, and um, just had a, a wonderful connection with her because she understood Josiah's name and all of those things, and and and. Becky ended up giving us a picture of Israel, a Jerusalem, the city of David, a panorama picture that we have framed in our office right now. So, um, so it was really neat how we were supposed to be going to Israel, didn't, had a Jewish nurse, all of those things. Um, then about when Josiah was about four and a half months, no, six, six months old, um, Christmas Day, I let Brian know that I was pregnant again. <laughs> so um, they're 13 months apart, Josiah and Victoria, and I always say that through my prayers, I got a double portion <laughs> of two babies. That is so true. Yeah. So we're very blessed. A double portion. 
Yeah. And, and we're we, so thankful for Josiah yeah. and Victoria. Yeah. So grateful. So thankful. Yeah. And we ended up having the same nurse for Victoria. Yeah. Yeah. Also, she remembered us. Yeah. It was a great, great reunion there. Yeah. Well. When we came in, um, Brent was ready to give birth to Victoria, and they rushed us to our room. She was really ready. And uh, the nurse came right through the door, and we just lit up that it was yeah. Rebecca. And she was stunned that it was us. And so she it was, said, you're back so soon. Yeah. She, <laughs> she's like, wow, you guys are on track. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you're uh, back You're back quickly. It yeah. was amazing. And um, yes. that, was, that was quite a time in our life. I could talk all night yeah. about that. And I'll just say this. I think it's interesting. Um, you know, we had Light the Fire Ministries. Um, then Josiah was born. Then Victoria was born, and then we um, launched Victory. And how our kids' names line up with our ministries. And Victoria likes to say it this way in jest, that Josiah was named after the ministry, and, and the church was named after her. <laughs> but <laughs> just because of the order it came. We didn't mean to do that, but that's what we realized we did and how the Lord did it for us, Victory. Victoria's name is Victoria Faith, and um, on the scripture, this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. So, yeah. I'm just going to interject a really quick story. It's not in our notes here. Ooh. I'll be quick. But during the Brownsville revival, Brent and I went down there, and in those days, you would stand in line for about 10 to 12 hours just to get into the meeting in the Florida Sun in Pensacola. So we stood in line. The meetings were glorious. I'm telling you, the presence of God was so thick. The glory would hang in the air. It was, it was overwhelming. And um, after the meeting, we were just waiting to receive prayer. Of course, we're friends with the Kilpatricks now, but we didn't know yeah. them then. Mm -hmm. So Steve Hill, who was the evangelist, um, he was praying with Pastor Kilpatrick and all the elders for thousands of people. And Steve Hill uh, locked eyes on me and Bren and came right to us. He looked at me, he looked at Bren, looked at me, looked at Bren, and then he looked up over our head, and he goes, I, I don't know how to tell you guys this, he says, but there's a banner that's waving over your heads, and it says victory. Father, let your fire rest upon them. Mm -hmm. Five months later, um, I asked Bren what she wanted for her birthday, and um, she began to just tear up. And I thought, oh, no, what, what's, what's wrong? And she said to me, she said, Brian, I'm so hungry for God. I'm so hungry for his presence. Can you take me back to Brownsville to get back into the Pensacola revival? We went right back. It was about five months later. Mm -hmm. we, we were standing in lines every day. We're waiting in prayer one night. Steve Hill appears on the stage, flies off the stage, walks right up to me and Bren looks over my head, or looks looks at me, looks at Bren, looks at me, looks at Bren, and he looks over our head, and he says, I don't know how to explain this to you. He said, there's a banner. He didn't know us, and by that time, he's, he's prayed for hundreds of thousands of people. They had over five million people walking their, walk into the church within five years. The nations in the world came to Brownsville, and Steve said, I don't know how to tell you this. There's a banner being waved over your head, and it says victory. Father, let your fire rest upon them. When you drove through the, the driveway tonight, there's four signs out there. They say victory. There's a flame in the middle of them. There's a reason. 
we held on to the word of the Lord. It's one of the key things we're going to just talk about in just a few moments about clinging to the promises of God, what, really what we've learned in the ministry. Right. Yep. Where are we at? Where are we at? Sarasota. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, <laughs> um, actually, it was right before we met Russ and Kim and the Springfield Revival started. We, um, Brian, being the spontaneous person that he is, <laughs> said to me, why don't we just, we always take a vacation in August, usually, because of our anniversary and everything. So, he's like, why don't we just... You know, just just go, and wherever we end up, we end up, <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> and me being the, you know, go with the flow kind of person. Okay, usually go with the flow, right? But um, so we, that's what we did. We got up that morning. We we're ready to go vacation, and we just started out. So we 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 first said, let's go to Hilton Head, and let's try that out. We'd never been, so we go there, and. Um, we got there pretty late, so we wake up the next morning. We're like, eh, we're not really feeling it. So um, we decided just let's just drive south and kind of see what we find. We like the south. <laughs> Go south. So um, we kept going south, and I had the map in my hand, you know, not the phone because there wasn't phones yet. <laughs> I had the map in my hand. In my hands, yep. And so I was like, okay. You know, I started naming places we could go look for, and he's like, oh, I don't know, he's driving. We drove down to Lakeland, Florida, and we saw Pete and Mary Pangetta right there, oh, their family. Yep. 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 We're heading down to Florida. Well, we're heading down to, we're heading towards just south, and I said, I finally said, you're not going to be happy till we get to Florida, and he says, you're right. So I said, okay, we got to get to Florida. So we ended up, we drove through Lakeland. Um, reminisced about us meeting and saw Pete and Mary and the kids and um, it was a great time and we um, then we um, we I said well I hear there's this place called Sarasota they got nice beaches you want to check it out so so we come here and um, and we, we got here real late at night again we woke up the next morning and started driving around, and we were like, oh, my gosh, this is beautiful. We love it here. We got a little place on the beach, and we started coming back every year after that and just loved the city. After that first year, actually that first vacation, we pulled off of Fruitville Road, and we had been here two weeks. And we got off uh, on the highway, started heading north, and I said to Bren, actually she said to me, she said, who knows what God might do here? Maybe we'll just connect with some ministries here one day. Maybe we'll have a great revival and outpouring right here. Yeah. 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 We, knew, we knew nobody. We had no idea what God was going to set up. Yeah. So at this time, we're traveling. We're traveling all over. The Lord is beginning now to open the nations to us. God is giving us great favor. Um, but what we're seeing is God move in churches and, and then them diminish and not really hold on. I don't mean diminish in numbers. I mean diminish in authority, revelation, power, and then not go forward. Yeah. And um, as we, if over many years of traveling with Light the Fire Ministries, it started burning in our heart. The Lord started changing our heart to have, have a home of our own. Um, where we could build a revival culture 
and that the fire could keep burning where we could be a house of encounter, a house of the presence of the Lord, hosting the presence of the Lord. And um, our, our pastor was on our board, and he said to us at the time, he said, Brian, you need to begin to pray that God will give you a city. Mm -hmm. At that time, we really didn't, we, we weren't really sure what he meant. Um, but so we continued to pray, and several years went by, and I was laying on a Rand McNally map for about three months. I know that sounds strange, but I was laying on the map of Florida for about three months in prayer at our home, and I was praying over every major city of Florida, and I was praying for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I was praying for revival and awakening to hit Florida and praying that God would write us into the story of outpouring in this great state. Our heart was just here. Our, our heart was turning here. That night um, when I was laying on the map, it's hard to describe these things, but I, I had a vision from the Lord. And in the vision, I saw a geyser, and I saw a geyser explode up out of the ground, a, a geyser of glory and a geyser of worship. It was just powerhouse glory worship. And the heavens opened over Sarasota, and I saw that glory hit the glory that was above in the open heaven, and it began to spray out everywhere. The next day I went to see um, my pastor. I told him what I saw, what I experienced. I told him how he knew I was praying over Florida. He knew I'd been on the map, and he would talk to me frequently, what's God saying? So I told him, I said, I, I don't understand it. I said, but when, I, when I've been praying over this seaside city, it's the last one I pray over. And I said, and this is what happened last night. And he said to me, he said, have you told Bren? Have you told Bren what you saw yet? And it was the next day. And I said, no, not yet. And he said, good. He said, don't tell her. And he said, wait until God speaks to her concerning Sarasota so that when she comes to you and then you tell her the vision, it'll be forever sealed and you'll never doubt it. And it was three or four days, right? Three or four days later, we were in the kitchen and, and my wife said, we're just standing in the kitchen there, and she turns to me and she says, I, I just see ourselves in, Florida, or in Sarasota. That's where I see ourselves. That's where I see us raising our kids, pioneering a work, and, you know, doing what the Lord wants us to do. So, yeah. So I share, with Bren, I share with Bren the vision that I had, and this is what the Lord said. He said, I'm going to send you, this is what he told me, he said, I'm going to send you to Sarasota to create an apostolic beachhead. And you're going to prepare the way for many others to come to prepare them for the outpouring that I'm going to send. Then he said, I am not sending you to that region to be respectable. I am sending you to that region to be responsible for the spiritual destiny of that region. That's, it's humbling to say that. Humbling. September 21st, 2004, we packed up our family. Josiah was four. Victoria was three. We knew nobody in this city, not a single soul. And some friends of ours, God had spoken to them. Pete and Mary, they're here tonight with their children. Their daughters are over here. Their son's there. Their daughter's there. Where's, where's Beck tonight? Where's Beck? Beck here? There's Beck. 
they, they were the first family. They moved over here from Lakeland to partner with us to start Victory. Amen. God, um, it, we, we pioneered Victory at Sarasota. The name of our first church in this region was Victory at Sarasota. And amazingly, God really raised that church up in, in a, a season to become really almost like an anomaly in this region for the presence of God. Our church became a real rallying point. I see your head, Jacob. And Jacob was on our staff and our team. Our church became really a rallying point for the presence of God. Um, we had great growth in those years, great growth, gr power, powerful conferences for the region, bringing in generals, as the Lord told me. We brought in John Kilpatrick. We brought in Bill Johnson. We brought in Tommy Tenney. I mean, we could go down the list. God was using our little young church to feed the region and to bring equipping and training to the region. And um, we got to finish up here soon. Yep. And we're going to wrap it up really quick. We're going to have some cake here. But the Lord did something um, in our story, and it happened in 2013, where it, it, the, prophet, the prophetic word of the Lord brought us into a new season and a catalyst to bring us to Dallas, Texas. Uh, what a story that is. We uh, turned our church over at that time to new leaders. We moved to Dallas. We were basing out of Christ for the Nations Institute. We were there with Dutch Sheets um, as he was leading and uh, with uh, among other leaders. And um, to, my, to my and Bren's surprise, about two years later, the Lord gave my wife a prophetic dream. And in the dream, we won't go through all the details of it, but in the dream, the Lord was returning us to Sarasota. And we were stunned by it. We, we stunned, stunned. We literally believed our season in this region was completely over, um, you know, that those chapters were done. But God was speaking to us afresh again. By the grace of God, the goodness of God, he carried us back home to Sarasota when we got here, we started having prayer meetings. We, 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 had, we, we didn't know that we were going to launch and pioneer another new work in this region. We had no idea. And uh, for two years, the Lord yoked us to the election and preparations for what was to come. I was in and out of Washington so many times, I, could, I couldn't even count how many times. God had opened profound doors. I was coming in and out. We were having prayer meetings in our home. Mark, I see you. Yeah, yeah. We had, we had a lot of prayer, a lot of prayer happening in our home. But something specific happened in 2017. I went on a trip to Israel. I was with Steve Hansen and a, and a, a team of uh, leaders and ministers. And I was in the city of David. And right outside the Jerusalem walls. And I began to talk to the Lord about Sarasota and about our assignment here and what he told me originally when I was laying on the map. And I said, Lord, I never dreamed that you would move me and Bren, our family, back to Sarasota. I said, what do you have for me there? And I heard from the Lord. The Lord said, I am giving you my blessing and I give you authorization to begin again to the original apostolic mandate that I gave, I gave you. And I bless you and give you authorization to do it. 
I came home, I shared with Brent, I shared with those closest to us. And three years ago, this weekend, we launched Victory, a church of his presence that you're sitting in right now. <laughs> miracle. It's a total miracle. At that time, God brought Cody and Sandra into our lives. We had known them for several years. They were ministering at a great church, loved their ministry, but didn't know God was going to give them to us and us to them as family. Had no idea. We launched in the Realtor Association, little meeting down on Cattleman Road. And here we are three years later, and God is building the house. Jesus is building the house. Amen? Yeah. It's been a new beginning. I'll give you this scripture tonight, and it's, it's Isaiah chapter 43, and you may know this scripture. It's so powerful, verses 18 and 19. He says, forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. Forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing, and now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert. You're in a place where the vision of this house is truly to be a house of revival, a house of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, truly awakening. God has called us to this, to bring revival and awakening to this region and make disciples throughout this city and throughout this region. Additionally, what God has called us to do is to be a training and an equipping center so that everyone in this church from our children, I see Jonah sitting down there so great with his dad and his mom, but, but from the youngest, our, our little children, like Benjamin, that our teenagers, our young adults, our seniors, our families, our desire is to see that we learn how to host the presence of God in our lives and our families with such uh, humility, but yet such grace and power and demonstration of the kingdom that wherever God calls us, we can go in power and authority and conquer all the works of the devil. That's what God has called us to be, not just a nice little church, what we're used to, but a powerhouse ecclesia that Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Mm -hmm. I want to give you just a few things here, and then we're going to close. We really are going to close. We're going to try to wrap up by 830. But my wife and I wanted to share, like, some of the things that we've learned in ministry. And, I mean, we, we just have tonight, these next closing moments. But here's a few things that we've, we've learned. Number one is to keep Jesus Christ as your most holy possession. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. To keep the Lord, your single first love, your passion. We've learned that in 25 years of ministry. That may sound like Christianity 101. I can tell you, you can't be in the ministry 25 years unless your foundation is this. You can be in, your, in the ministry 25 years, and if you don't keep that, your foundation, you're going to become incredibly unhealthy. And you're going to be a leader who's not even worthy to be followed. You keep this as your foundation of friendship and intimacy with God. It's everything. Next is 
Nothing is accomplished without the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen in this house. Nothing, folks, nothing is accomplished without the ministry of the Holy Spirit. This is a spirit-filled life. When I say spirit-filled life and spirit-filled ministry, you're never, you're never going to see a day in this church where we're going to start backing away from the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You're not allowed to speak in tongues in this church. You're not allowed to speak in or sing in tongues from the platform or our worship team. We're not ashamed of the moving and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We are not. Yeah. We do not ever want to grieve the Holy Spirit. We want the Spirit of God to land. We want to create a house where the Holy Spirit, it's like we're just ground zero where the Spirit of God can land and impact a region with glory. Are you with me, yeah. honey? Yeah. <laughs> Tag your head. <laughs> I know, yeah. Yeah. It's true. You know, the Holy Spirit birthed the church. So how can the church think they can do anything without the Holy Spirit? You know, so um, we need him. Anything eternal has to have the spirit. Yeah, you can accomplish something here on the earth, but it's not eternal without the Holy Spirit. So we want to become a rallying point for the Holy Spirit to land. And we want to make room for God in our city. We have to be a rallying point. Just rally people to his presence. That's our whole, our heart is to rally people to him. Because he makes all the difference. Yeah. Something God has taught us is that God hasn't called us to be famous. God has not called us to be famous. God has called us to be faithful. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's too many wild celebrities in the kingdom of God. That's not our vision. It's not God's vision for our lives to become celebrities. We're supposed to be faithful unto God. Mm -hmm. Amen? Yeah. Next, we learn that, that prayer and worship keeps you burning. Prayer and worship keeps you burning. It's a lifestyle. It's, this is, we're, this, it's not just what we do right here. It's what we do in our home. It's what we do in the car. It's how we live. It's how Josiah was raised. It's how Victoria has been raised. It's our home. We've cultivated a life of worship in our home, and our lifestyle, in everything that we do. Honey, go ahead. Something else is to treasure and honor the Lord's presence, his voice, and his anointing, and to give him all the glory for it. <clears throat> Back unto him, we treasure him. You know, he is the centerpiece. When we come together, he's who we treasure and honor. Yeah, and next we treasure and honor people, and they are gifts. You know, Brian says it, that the gifts in your life come in the packages of other people, and you just have to have the discernment to know when they come into your life. Just like Brian, he came into my life. <laughs> Took me a little while to discern. And then she sat me down. <laughs> <laughs> that was so awesome. <laughs> It's going to become a talk around the family dinner table, I'm telling you. <laughs> the next thing is keep integrity and character always. Keep integrity and character always. Loyalty and purity. 
I'm telling you, it's everything. 25 years later, I look, we look back, a lot of friends in ministry, no longer married. Where'd they go? Their ministry burnt up. Can't believe it. Grieving, heartbreaking. Keep integrity always. Protect your integrity and your character. It's everything, folks. I'm telling you, it's everything. Work on your integrity. I, I, I see so many people in this hour managing their image. They just manage their image rather than managing what matters most, their integrity, who they really are deep in their heart. Be authentic. Be the real deal. Be transparent with God. Amen? All right. Next, um, honor attracts the anointing. This is strong. Honor attracts the anointing. Humility sustains the anointing. And holiness protects the anointing. One more time. Honor attracts the anointing. Humility sustains the anointing. But holiness protects the anointing. So key. We've learned this throughout these many years. Next is no compromise to religious spirits and religious people. That's a biggie, isn't it, honey? It's a biggie. Do not compromise to religious spirits. They will, listen, religious spirits have stifled the life out of the American church. They're doing everything they can to create a safe atmosphere. It's beyond safe. It's sterile and barren. You don't tolerate religious spirits. And you also don't tolerate religious people. Now, how do we know that? Because Jesus is our example. He didn't tolerate it. Now, I love people. You all know that. I love to be with people. I enjoy people. But I'm really challenged by religious people. And I'll sit you down. No. <laughs> i got to use that line. That's my next sermon series. God will set you down. <laughs> That's a Johnny Cash song now that I just thought about it. You can run on for a long time. Run on for a long time. Run on for a long time. Don't you know, brother, God's going to... Cut you down. Cut you down. <laughs> it's a little different. It is a little different. God will cut you down. Come on. <laughs> Thanks, Johnny. Johnny Cash. <laughs> I didn't know that was going to happen tonight. We're about to eat cake, everybody. That wasn't in our notes. <laughs> Next is we've learned to protect the body of Christ from wolves. I can talk forever on this. I'm telling you, we have learned to love the body, to serve the body of Christ. And not just here. We serve other teams. We serve elder teams. We serve leaders all over this country. And we've learned that as shepherds, there's times where God desires for us to deal with the wolves. And that's part of our ministry. It's part of something you have to learn. Honey, go ahead. Yeah. Next is give no place to the devil. Exercise your authority over him. Right? 
We don't give any place in any area of our lives, in any area within each other, our relationships, because that's one that's important is that we have to forgive and be gracious to people. We cannot tolerate or coddle offense. We can't or give bitterness a place in our hearts. Unforgiveness has to flow. We must guard our heart with all diligence. It's so important. And that is part of, you know, not giving the devil place is to not hold on to those things because that's where the devil traffics. He traffics in offense. He traffics in bitterness and in unforgiveness and wreaks havoc. And we need to be people that um, are quick to make sure that we aren't giving the devil any place in any area of our life or amongst us corporately. So, you want to keep going? All right. We've learned to be authentic and real and not to perform for people. It's best to be who you are and not to try to be somebody else or something that you're not, you know, um, but just be, be real and just be real with people, you know. I think it's powerful when people be, just begin to share their testimony, when people begin to share their weaknesses, what they've walked through, you know, their struggles, and that they've overcome, it can help other people, you know. But when we keep it to ourselves, it can't help people. So it's important to be real and authentic. All right. Always contend for God's promises. Never let them go. Declare them. Pray them. Speak them. Keep them stirred up on fire in your spirit. You're never to let God's promises go. And, and as I, one of the things that, you know, as I look across our, our, <clears throat> our years is that we have, I actually have the prophetic word that Russ and Kim Klein prophesied over us in 1998 in my Bible right here. And, you know, there are things in here that we are still contending for. We're still putting before the Lord and saying, Lord, here it is, you know. And, and the, you know, sometimes things happen quick, like the prophetic word that Brian got. And, you know, the next time you see her, she's going to know. And then you have these words that, that are further off, you know, and you do have to contend for. You have to continue to believe God's promises and what he said he would do. And, and that's really important. And even in, you know, even in this, you know, there's times where when they prophesied, you know, God's about ready to do this. Well, Jesus said, I'm coming soon too, you know, so you got to figure that out. <laughs> okay. What does that mean? <laughs> I'm like about ready. <laughs> you know, what does that mean to you? Yes. So, yeah. you know, but but some of these things we really believe that we're on the verge of. And so you gotta, you got to always contend for his promises. Never give up on what God said he would do. He's faithful. He's so faithful. I hope that that speaks to your heart tonight. Never give up on the promises that God has given you. Never let them go. Next, um, and this is just the last few, and then we're going to mm -hmm. close and pray. We're going to go celebrate and have some fun. Keep family your priority. Keep family your priority, your spouse and your kids, and, and then ministry. We've learned that over and over and over again in these last 25 years. Keep your family first. Before anything, I know it's Bren, Josiah, Victoria, 
before everything else. Keep your family first. Next is God has set us apart unto him first. Hear this. God has set us apart unto him first. And that God is jealous for us. God is jealous for you. Okay? We're not here to belong just to a church system or a church form. But we're here for the pleasure of God and to work in partnership with God. It's never people first. It's God first. That's why what happens in here corporately is so dynamic. When we're in worship, we're not thinking about you. We're thinking about him. We're ministering unto the Lord. Cody's not performing. He knew that long before he joined me. Mm-hmm. He's him and his wife. This team. No, we're not performing in here. Okay, it's unto the Lord first, and then it's about people. But our first and foremost ministry is unto the Lord. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. Next is find your tribe. This is so important. Find your tribe. Build key relationships with those who burn passionately for God and that they have a vision within them for global revival and awakening. If you, if you have that burning in your soul in here, then you belong here. If, you, if you're just possessed with a vision of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, God winning back our nation and the nations of the earth and outpouring of awakening and revival burns in your soul. You found your tribe. Mm-hmm. And some people have, that's, they've come in because they feel led. They, they love what God's doing here. And then all of a sudden, the Lord begins to stir that up with them. And they catch that vision themselves. Yep. So it can happen yeah. both ways. Yeah, yeah you, you can get pregnant in this church with vision. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Come on. Last is... Um, Build, build a legacy of faithfulness and consistency. Study all the time to stay fresh in the word of God and to stay, and stay fresh in your faith. Have a legacy of faithfulness. I just pray that this would become part of your life. I, wanna, I just want to live a lifestyle of faithfulness and consistency before God. You know, we're, we're, none of us are ever going to know until the light of eternity how great God has used our lives. There's so many things that you've done, you don't even know you've done. Jesus even had the audacity to say, there's going to be a reward for you if you gave a cup of water in my name. There's going to be rewards like that in heaven? Yeah. It's amazing. We just don't know. We don't know until the light of eternity how you have impacted, how we've impacted other lives. Lastly, here, this is it. We're going to wrap up with this. Believe God at all times. Sounds simple. Mm-hmm. 25 years later, I can tell you right now, you got to believe God at all times. It comes down to faith. And it comes down to not allowing any unbelief to rest in your spirit and your soul. Believe God at all times. Whatever you're facing, whatever mountain you're facing, believe God at all times. Amen. Amen. It's been a great night. It really has. I hope that you guys have enjoyed this and our time together. Amen.
Yeah, yeah. I'm going to pray, and then Victoria is going to come. Yep, and she's going to dismiss you in just a moment. We're going to head to the Life Center in just a second. Just grab a hand or touch a shoulder or just be family. Father, I... Father, you know what it's like for me to stand before you and just lead your people for me and Bren, Lord. And we are just so blessed and humbled that you've called us to be leaders and shepherds in the body of Christ. And Father, we give you all the glory. We give you all the honor, all the praise for what has happened here at Victory, a church of your presence. Lord, we know it's not a cliche. We know the best is yet to come. We know. We know. Lord, you are preparing this family of people to be written into the story, the greatest outpouring upon planet Earth in America and the nations for your glory until your return. Jesus, we just give you thanks and praise. We just lift these hands throughout the congregation tonight. We just give you praise, Lord, for every good and perfect thing that you've done, Lord. Everything, every life, every life, God, we thank you for what you have done. And we declare, Jesus, you are the great shepherd of this house. You are the great shepherd. We're under shepherds, but you're the great shepherd. And you are leading us into triumph and into victory. In Jesus' name. And I pray, Lord, that your fire will rest on this family. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thanks for being patient. Stretch your legs a little bit. We're going to meet you over in the Life Center. Victoria is coming uh, just to give a few announcements, and we will see you for some mighty cake. Hallelujah. Actually, we're going to ask mom and dad to stay for, for a little bit. You guys can go down there, though. But if we're, we're going to invite Russ and Kim and Shekinah, glory, hallelujah. <laughs> but we're going to have them just pray over them, bless them as we're going into our fourth year at Victory. So here you guys go. Thank you, Victoria. Stretch your hands toward our pastors, if you would. Victoria honored us by saying, look, if God gives you anything, so we're going to keep it to the point. You all have seen, your story has unfolded how prophetic revelation has released apostolic reality. And we're believing God to speak prophetically again for this next season. Shekinah's going to start, then Kim. I saw that throughout the years, um, you were diamonds in the rough. And I saw a vision of God pulling you out and brushing off the dirt and polishing you. And then as I saw him do that, he was polishing you and it was very shiny. I saw as the Lord told you to go and do to others what he did for you. And I saw as you started going into these places and you started mining, you even had minor out mining outfits on. And I saw you started mining and you started finding these specific spots that God was pointing out to you to mine in. And you started pulling these things out, and you started brushing off dirt of, on these specific people and helping them and encouraging them and preparing them for what God wants them to be. 
with that, I want to say it's not just people that are unexpected, but cities and nations that are unexpected, seasons and people groups that are unexpected. People see nothing of value, redeeming value. God says, son and daughter, you're going to redeem those that others, even the church world, have seen nothing valuable in. You're going to bring them forth as shining diamonds of the glory. I've been praying for y'all all day long, and the Lord has given me a few visions. What, what I saw was this, and it was quite unique. I saw you individually, Brian. I saw you standing in a doorway. The doorway was white. You had a white dress shirt on, and you were standing in this doorway, and it looked like a pretty like kind of regal doorway. And all of a sudden, I watched as flags popped out all around the entrance of the doorway, American flags. They were American. It went like, di uh, like um, dominoes. And they were all throughout it. And I believe somehow you are going to have a doorway, a doorway that all of a sudden, it's not going to just happen a little gradually, this and this and this, but all of a sudden you are going to see the flags surrounding you. I don't understand exactly what that's supposed to mean, but I saw that. Bryn, I saw you, and you were walking up these stairs very, very, I mean, there was such purpose in it. And the Lord spoke these words to me. He's going to raise your platform. You were walking up these steps and you were getting ready to go. And then I just had to chuckle whenever I saw you tonight. You had on chunky heels in this vision that I'd had earlier. And you had, it looked like the same shoes on tonight. And I've never seen you wear anything like that. And that's what you had on. But your platform is going to be raised by God. And somehow you are going to make an impact in even a greater way than ever. And I saw also a Upon this church, I saw that this church, you've been walking in the light, of course, of course you have, but it's been, it's been that, that dimmer light that is right before the sunrise and the Lord says the season of the sunrise is coming now. I watched as the sun started rising over this body. And I tell you what, where you'd been walking in the light, but it, it, it almost seemed dull in comparison to what is getting ready to happen. And the sunrise that was coming over this church was powerful, and it was going in all directions and lighting up corners that you never even saw before. And God says this, the season of the sunrise is coming soon. No that the light is coming in such a special way. And you know what? I was watching as God, God's angels were all over. Maybe you've already experienced this or you've already felt this inside, but there is an increase of the angelic activity among this body. And usually when I see that, it means that God is up to something big. God is up to something big. I mean, the angels are being activated. Somehow, there is great angelic activity that's going on and it's being called, called here. God says this, even those promises that I gave you long ago, you have not forgotten them. And will I not do what I told you I would do even back many years ago? And God says, but it's not going to just end there. You are going to see an increase, a tenfold increase. We're 
all of a sudden it had been one open door in front of you, and now it is a whole row of doors wide open, wide open for the taking. And God says this, you have been faithful, faithful, faithful with promises of old. You will take the promises of old, and you will combine them with the promises of new, and the sunrise is happening, and you are going to see some great things in God Almighty. Brian, as Kim was saying, she saw the, your platform being raised and you going forward. I saw a determination in your step, and I know that Brian has made a joke about the sitting down. But literally, I hear the Lord saying, there is going to be determination, and you're going to have an authority that's going to surprise everybody around you because you're going to tell those in authority, sit down and listen. Because the word of the Lord is coming forth in your mouth in a greater way. Very quickly, I wrote these things down so I don't go off, off uh, rabbit trails. For the church, it's not a one-year vision, a two-year vision, a five-year vision. It's a hundred-year vision and beyond. It is a legacy. It is sons and daughters raising up mothers and fathers, fathers and mothers, I'm saying, raising up sons and daughters, and then for the generations. Honor Ray is coming out of the season of honor. You all know what that uh, references, and God spoke about Isaiah 60. In the midst of great darkness, great glory is coming, but it goes on to say your sons and daughters are coming from afar. God says it's not enough. This is in Isaiah. I'm trying to remember 49. God says it's not enough for you to just bring your own people back, but I'm giving you as a light to the nations. God is giving you not only America, but the nations. Then the Lord spoke this, apostolic acceleration, apostolic amplification, apostolic authorization. Elijah ran faster than the king. God says get ready because you're going to run with those who run faster than the government. And we understand Jezebel and all that other stuff. I'm not going to go there with this. But God says you're going to have answers for questions the government is not yet asking because you're going to run ahead of that. Last night, Kim and Arshkina and I watched Captain America. <laughs> and you know what? God, in, in that movie, they tested the heart of the one that did not look like a champion. But when his heart was found right, he instantaneously accelerated, became a champion for America. God is releasing that anointing in a fresh way. Apostolic amplification. You're going to continue saying the same things you had, but God's turning up the volume. You will not have to jump up and down and say, listen, God himself is going to turn up the volume. And that apostolic authorization, not only will you have entrance where other people say, who are you and what are you doing here? But God says you will no longer be just a, um, a spectator and a prayer. But God says you're going to be authorized to speak and open your mouth. And you will not even have to think what to say ahead of time, for I will put my words in your mouth. Stretch your hands toward our pastors. We could go on and on and on with these things. But God, we thank you, Lord, for the story we've heard and that you are faithful to finish what you have begun. Lord, for Brian, for Bren, for Josiah, for Victoria, for Victory, a church of his presence, for Sarasota, for Florida, for America, and for the nations, we declare the glory of the Lord that your kingdom would come, your will would be done, and your name made famous in all the earth. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Give a shout of praise and glory to the Lord. Amen. <laughs>
Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com or download the Victory FLA app.